Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Tyler Griever doing the first show we've been able to do this year where Louisville is not in last place in the ACC, my man. That's right. It, it's Josh Passner, as it should be. Yep. Tyler, how are you, buddy? I'm great. I'm good. It was the last, you know, last night was the first time I've ever gotten to shoot a game from the court involving Josh Passner. And it's a ride, man. <laughs> It's a ride watching that dude. Like he was full sprint on the sideline for a Georgia Tech fast break. I thought he was like gonna run and try to get a bucket for a second. That guy is is wild to watch. I also don't know how, how much longer he's gonna have a job, but uh, yeah, he he's a ride. He is a ride for sure. He always strikes me as somebody who is frantic so that he looks busy. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe him than that. I mean, the the COVID stuff with him, I don't know if any coach in college basketball, maybe even college athletics, like was a more of a face for dealing with that than him with like the the sheet, you know, the the he face made an shield. actual virus. Yeah, like he made like a, a virus. What was it, like a, like a science project? It was a pinata yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> It was like he brought it in for school. Like the yellow one is the so- like that. It's one like one of those. Yeah, it's just <laughs> I will never forget that. And honestly, I've uh, isn't he the one with like the crazy voice? Not the crazy voicemail, but like a very positive voicemail greeting or or, or something like that. There was a story yes, a couple of years ago yes, about that. He's a unique character. That's a really really nice way of saying he's a dork. And he's he a dork that lost to Louisville last night because Georgia Tech's not any good, and Louisville is less not any good, or at least they were less not any good, not any good last night. And I think maybe the most amazing thing about the win last night is that Louisville didn't really um, change or like reverse or just greatly exceed almost anything that it does. As a team, and what I mean by that is like a, almost none of the mistakes and characteristics that we have described as being like giant problems in them trying to to not lose every game they play in the ACC, they didn't really 
change or, or, or fix almost any of them and yet beat Georgia Tech by double digits last night when I th- I thought there was a, they were favored, what they were our two-point underdogs or so when the game started, and it, it was not trending well uh, for a little, even against teams at this sort of level of the of the ACC, and instead they win by 10, and it's a weird one that just doesn't really seem to automatically flow from anything that they, they necessarily did in the game. It's really confounding. Well, I, I could tell you from watching it up close, it was not like a great basketball game by any means. I mean, there was you know, a point where I think I tweeted, I was like, look, by rule, somebody's got to win this. Somebody has to. Uh, I, I don't make that rule, but it cannot be a draw between these two. Um, and I will say the one stat that jumped out to me, and, and it's not really a game where I'm going to get too wrapped up in all that because w- with these two teams, two of the worst in the Power Five, like I don't really think you can afford to get all wrapped up in that. But they did take care of Georgia Tech on the glass, and I do think that's something that we've talked about a lot is that should be an area where they win more games is on the glass with the size and length they had. And last night, the rebound count was 46 to 32 in favor of Louisville. Jalen Withers had 13 of them. Uh, Really, Jalen Withers had, I mean, 19, 13, uh, 19 points, 13 rebounds, only two turnovers, uh, had two steals, seven of nine from the line. It was probably his best game of the year. Uh, But other guys coming in and getting some boards as well, even though Ellis was crashing as a guard, that's a spot, that's a statistic they should win more often with the size and length that they have. And and that was as problematic to me, especially against smaller teams like, you know, the Lipscombs of the world and others that they weren't beating on the glass. So they got to keep that going forward. It was encouraging uh, to see that. And and before we get into like the, the nitty gritty of the game itself and, and what to learn from it, what not to, uh, I, I feel like it's worth acknowledging uh, because it is just so incredibly rare but last night there was a moment where a louisville player had the ball and i could i could hear see and feel an arena and everyone in it all screaming please god just dunk the ball (laughs) and emmanuel okorafor finally i think he might be the first place the first player, excuse me, to ever deliver on that plea from everyone. It was funny. Gets the ball, you know, halfway up the key, uh, turns, looks for, kind of considers passing it to Mike James on the baseline. There's one defender between the two of them. And then everyone starts to scream like, buddy, there's (laughs) no one. Because that guy had scooted over to try to get between he and Mike James. And then he finally was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to destroy the backboard with this. And it was... It felt the like the roar that came after that felt cathartic. Yeah. I'm not saying that yeah. it changed their season. They're gonna go on some run. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. But just for that moment, for a guy to go and just be like, "Oh, you know what? I'm just gonna be violent. How about that?" Was great. I was thrilled to see it. And before we get into anything, I just wanted to say how encouraged I was by that one moment where it was like, "Oh, if I don't know what to do, I'm gonna try to dunk." Welcome back to Louisville basketball with that uh, that attitude. I've missed it. Uh, that's one of the most like unique dunks I think I've ever shot on a camera because I thought he was going to pass it. 
I really did. I, I was looking in his he eyes. He wanted to. I was looking at his eyes, and I'm like, oh, God, he doesn't realize he has a wide open lane to just dunk this right now. And I'm like, what well, is he going to do? What is he going to do? And at first, Mike James had clapped for the ball because he was on the baseline, and it was the two of them with one defender between them, but the defender kind of quickly got in the way. So he looked at Mike James, and, and he's obviously going to be kind of deferential. But when it wasn't the when that wasn't there, he eventually got there, and I don't know. It just it encouraged me to see him do that. Yeah, and I think he, you know, he was not the star of last night's game by by any means, but he he had a lot more eyes on him last night because of some of the positive things he showed against Notre Dame and the the allure of like the still unknown with him. Like you, you just he's the new guy. He has some promise, and everybody just wants to see more of him to figure it out. And I think he played relatively well. Like there's, he's gonna make some mistakes. I mean, he's gonna set some moving screens. He's gonna foul when he probably shouldn't, and, and a lot of that. But like, there was a player early that I thought stood out in more plays that you want to see from this team. In that he kind of jumps out of bounds to save a ball. It looked like it was just gonna be another Louisville turnover that you're used to seeing this year. But he jumps out of bounds, keeps the ball in, and it goes directly to Jalen Withers for a corner three, and it's a make. Like. Like it or not, those aren't yeah. plays that change your season or anything like that, but those are the type of winning plays that you have to make. Little things, little details like that are what get coaches going or that's what gets your teammates even more ingratiated to you when you're still adjusting to the game. Uh, from a wider scope, even before we get into the degree of it, I, you and I talked about getting into this before uh, the show today, but... I do want everybody to acknowledge that I'm going to be the therapist today. Okay. Guys, it's okay to just have fun with a win. It really is. It's fine. Nobody here, nobody on this show, nobody at this station probably, is going to sit here and tell you, that right there, turning point, look out, Louisville, on the come up, going to happen. Nobody's saying that. And, right. Or, or nobody. Right, or uh, I told you Kenny could get it done. Nothing. You know I mean? right, right, right. No, none of that is going to happen today. But what I am going to tell you is I have done this show for, I think it's about a year now with Mark just filling yeah, just in about. here. Just about a year. Been here for three, and I did not get here for a great period of Louisville basketball. And, and something I always hear from fans, and I think it is a valid criticism to a point, Man, they just don't look like there's any passion or energy out there. There's nothing about that. Okay, I can get that. I can get that with losses. But when the guys show it with the win, and and I'm not even talking about the locker room video dance that I shared today, which I think is getting some odd responses as a whole. But even before that, when you see L. Ellis give his headband to a kid, when you see him dancing with Louie, when you see Mike James hit a three and scream with the crowd and thump his chest and clap his hands as he knows his team is clinching the game, when you see Jalen Withers dive for a ball on the floor, it's still out on him, and he slaps the floor in frustration because he wanted the ball. These are all of the things that you have been asking for. So when it comes with the result that you want, I, I do not understand not just enjoying it for a night or a day like none of that is program changing none of that is indicative of something larger but in a as so as a reply i had earlier said in a vacuum everybody should be rational enough to consume that and just be like you know what this season sucks they had fun in this game 
They had fun. They got the win. They enjoyed it after. They're 18 to 20-year-olds. My goodness. Like, if you can't even just do that, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't. It's... It's it's a common issue I think in being a sports fan, and I go through it too. Everybody goes through it with their with their teams, but like, there's just a way for a lot of feelings to be true at once. You can be completely frustrated, and you are valid with how this season has gone, while also just taking a step back and saying, "Man, you know what? It's just fun to see some kids enjoy a win for once." Yeah, I can't. Uh, I listened to for just a minute, uh, quick because they came right on. Uh, but uh, Issel was talking about one year in his entire playing career at college and pro both. He was on a losing team. And at the, he said, you know, the, at the end of the year, it was miserable for everyone. You hated all of it because you knew it wasn't really going anywhere. And I, I can imagine, you know, the players haven't had a ton of fun uh, here. I wonder if maybe Emmanuel Okorfor is – you know, not because he is, you know, Dennis Rodman or something in terms of like energy and rebounding and stuff like that. But for him, Louisville is 15 days old or whatever it is. He's been here two weeks, maybe. Yeah. And, his, and in his experience, Louisville's one and one. <laughs> and he's never even lost at home. <laughs> it was like, you know, <laughs> he's he's fresh uh, and not jaded by any of us. And I just wonder if maybe the fact that. You know, the, uh, I heard uh, Rummage, he would, I think, talk about this. They, there was a huddle. They're in the huddle, and he's uh, just got his arm around a couple of guys in the huddle. And I just, I do wonder if he has just injected a little sunshine, for lack of a better word. You know, just a little bit less of the kind of the drudgery of going of this being as, as poor as it has been to where they, they did look like they enjoyed themselves last night. Yeah, and, and honestly, it's I don't even think the enjoyment's limited to the players because I remember being on here and talking about the pit game and the building being, look, it was lifeless. It was completely lifeless. And I understand Pitt, you know, kind of ran away with that game early and that lends itself to being lifeless. But, like, I was impressed last night with the energy of a small crowd. It wasn't a big draw by any means, but... The fact that people were still into a three-pointer that might confirm you just won the game or a put-back dunk from J.J. Trainer or, or hustle plays or whatever, first it shows you how badly people just want to see this work, which is what you want as opposed to the other side of it. And I actually think the whole negative reaction to a dancing video honestly lends itself more to an apathetic view as opposed to a caring view. And we can dive into that a little more later if you want. But in general, like the yum had some juice last night. I don't know if it's something that, you know, you keep carrying it forward. And I give fans a lot of credit this year for, for trying their best to stay engaged, no matter how difficult it is. But it all works in conjunction together in a scenario like that. And you can see guys respond to that. But the the challenge in that, where it lies is, can you use the positivity or anything, even from a win against an opponent like that, to say, man, that feels pretty good. Maybe there's some extra motivation to try and sustain this a little bit or give a little bit more to see if we can beat somebody that we quote-unquote shouldn't beat or anything like that. That all remains to be seen. That's been a struggle for this team all year. Kenny has fully acknowledged that. Well, I'm kind of, I am happy about elements of the win on top of just the win, obviously. But to not 
the this the Western Kentucky game, they really shot the ball extremely well. Oh yeah, and, it was and, it was an outlier. Total yes, outlier. It, it has the feeling of of being not sustainable. But holding a team to 30, 30% shooting in the first half, even with them going 7 of 16 from 3 in the first half, to hold them to 0 for 11 in the second half, 29% from the field overall in the second half, to basically to win the game in a, in a really, really kind of grindy, workmanlike way. Louisville didn't just shoot the lights out either. They defended and they rebounded, and they did slightly less committed slightly fewer of the turnovers that make you want to read a book or something like it's been it was just little things not things that you can't be like well you know that'll never happen again that bus will never come by here again like these like you can defend and rebound really hard like that again you can do that against everybody it's allowed and you, you just kind of have to hope that some of this will just sort of nest and and settle in as hey you know guys if you give this this kind of effort, two things can happen. One, you're going to win. You'll have a chance, or you'll at least have a chance to win. But two, people will lean back into that. And I'm glad yeah. that you did bring up the crowd and the crowd noise. It was small, but it was loud and got louder and was responsive and it was supportive. I was really worried uh, about it getting where you sort of turn on your own. Uh, there if, if if this got ugly and it did just the opposite and I'm thrilled uh, to see that and hopefully it, it can maybe be the start of something but if nothing else like we can just enjoy the fact of what it of what it was and that it's not just like a total loss of everything and they haven't just quit and just gone on to the end of the year they showed something they did exactly and, and it's I think the way everybody wants to to try and either internalize or, or project a lot of different feelings about how all this goes is is something worth talking about because I, I we obviously Kenny and the staff talk all the time about uh, culture and you and I have discussed how at times it's the approach to that has felt a little contradictory or doesn't feel like it's really adding up we've talked about that at length but if you are going to build anything I do believe it has to be rooted in some form of, of positivity and joy out of things. Like, it has to have that that base. And if you're a team who is who is this bad, you get your third win of the season, it's been a while since you won a game and you haven't won a conference game, then I believe celebrating after it resonates a lot more with someone on the fence who's trying to buy in as opposed to your coach coming into the locker room and being like, what is everybody smiling about? Great, we won a game. Like, do you think that would go over well with people or with anyone? Because I, I just don't. Uh, it's, it's not like nobody's, like we're not. Nobody's having a parade up and down downtown or anything like that. They're not putting a banner up for it. But you do have to, to jump from something. Like I, I, I've listened to on a, as a guy who has impressed me, I think, more than anybody in college basketball this year, is Jerome Tang. And it's not just because of the fact that Kansas State is winning and a very good team this year. I really like his messaging that he has. If, you ha- if you've listened to anything he said, especially in recent weeks with like the Kansas rivalry and like dealing with negativity as opposed to, you know, for those unfamiliar, K-State students 
and the fan base as a whole really like latch on to this FKU chant with a sandstorm. They do it like every game. And Tang like latched onto that and doesn't want it anymore and has talked about like flipping it into a positive for K-State as opposed to a negative towards somebody else. And I think what he's hitting at in a lot of those messages and beyond that is really trying to build a positive base to get guys to buy into that. Uh, doesn't always work. It's not foolproof by any means, but I do think it's a healthier way to go about things than just, well, this, 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 and you got to be able to meet it or else we're done with you. I, I, I don't just don't think that's going to work. You can be realistic in the, in all of that. And we try to be, but you have to be able to enjoy the positives. You have to. One of the worst uh, things that, that I think can happen. And I don't, I'm not really trying to shame any specific individual person, but you know, when, when, things are bad and then something good happens one of the least needed characters that does seem to always arrive uh, is the person who who is very very eager to remind you this doesn't change anything i we, we don't need you today you well, can yeah, you can take today off haven't None, we, like, no one thinks this well yeah because we've spent what is it, 22 games? Okay, 19 of the post-game reactions we've had have laid out every single problem and issue we're going to still talk about. They had turnovers last night. There were decisions made where I sat on the baseline and I was like, what in God's name is anybody thinking of on this court right now? Where is the basketball IQ? This is That's what I don't understand. It's like this constant need to have... All of this, like, persistently affirmed. It's like last night I was I was uh, working on, you know, my post-game story, which, I you know, I have to turn on a pretty quick deadline. I'm, like, sure. thinking, like, which way am I going to go with this? And I'm, like, you know, we could do something with, you know, Jalen has 19 and 13 and, like, a, the run of the mill, like, this and this changed and this is why they won. And, and, I, and for a moment I was just like, you know what? That does not matter. It truly doesn't right here. Like, because if you're – in the building and you witness that stuff and you see the emotions and things like that, that's the thing that the guys latch on to. That actually, if it is going to be anything, that is how you try to build something out of it. So it feels like, you know what? Yeah, you know, you got to realize and appreciate winning and how good it feels, no matter who it's against. And you have to do something with that feeling. And, and again, that's a huge challenge for this group. It's one that I think it's a message that hasn't quite resonated, hasn't resonated all year with them. So you have to be able to build from that. And for me, like just as a reporter being there, I'm like, I think that's worth looking into more than, oh, they had this amount of rebounds and this is why they won the game. Well, that's not interesting. That's not compelling at all. I look, I don't think that it is either. I just feel like, you know, the flip side of saying, you know, uh, we don't need to try to make this more you know, than it, than it was the, the same reminder can be given. Like we don't always have to be miserable, I guess. Like we don't today, I, today just does not feel like the day and that game and that performance that doesn't feel like the, the first response ought to be, well, what about the other games or this doesn't change anything. Or, you know, we have one text just like they were missing wide open shots. Well, you know, part of the game plan last night 
was knowing Georgia Tech's not a very good three-point shooting team, that they sagged uh, a little bit, they helped a little bit, and were content to let them try threes for a lot of the game. And they missed a lot of them in the second half in particular. They came back down to earth, and Louisville just sort of held their own. Like, some of that's intentional. It's not like – I can't imagine what the – what. What's going through someone's mind when they look at that and like, well, they must just be really terrible and they did it, not Louisville. Like, is that kind of person seems like they can't be reached? Oh yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm saying, and it's not, you know, it's not you or I's goal to really change anybody's mind about whatever they're going to think about this team or Kenny yeah. Payne or anything like that. It's really not. It, it's to, I think you have to continue to just call it the way you see it and honestly if last night would have been just another like lifeless slog that Louisville wins by two points I think you you feel a little bit differently about some of that but there were plays that suggested effort there were there was emotion involved from you know I I was there courtside Jalen Weathers catches a pass in the corner uh, throws a high pass over to the wing that J.J. Trainer caught, but he didn't shoot it, and J- and Jalen was like really frustrated that J.J. didn't shoot the ball. Like I hear Kenny Payne on the sideline audibly yelling, "Like what are you doing?" <laughs> Seriously, so I I can't remember who it was directed towards or what play it was, but like the emotion works both ways here in each scenario. Like if if you want it. To show if you want somebody to be pissed off when they're losing, then should you not want them to be really happy when they win? That's the thing that that's the rub for me and all of this. And you can be happy with a win while also saying, Man, we got a hell of a long way to go. And there ain't no mistaking about it. They do. <laughs> like it's I, I fully acknowledge all of this talk with that Saturday comes and Florida State comes in and they lose by fifteen or twenty. It's fully possible. Really. But I think you have to manage it all a little bit better or this this whole experience is not gonna be very enjoyable. Regardless, let's not pretend that it hasn't been, you know, the MO of this team to go get stomped in a game like last night. So they didn't. They have not completely given up. And they won the game. And I was legitimately concerned about that for what it's worth. I was too. I, I think there was there were some certain moments in the past couple of games leading up to uh, Georgia Tech where, and I've referenced what Capel said multiple times about quitting versus not quitting, where I was actively questioning his evaluation of that because I would see things and I'm like, Man, they're down this to Notre. They were down by thirty to Notre Dame. I mean, being checked out or quitting seems like it's adding up to that. Really does. Um, and and I'm not here to suggest all the time that a result is the immediate dictator to measure that because sometimes you can be all in and invested and you still lose. It's fully possible, but it didn't really look like that the past couple of games. And I think you saw some signs that like it's not you know, completely over for these guys this season. And that's something that's at least, it deserves a little bit of credit or happiness. Let's take a quick break here. I want to come back. We'll continue on uh, with this one. We're going to be joined, uh, as we always are, by Elliot Mattingly later on uh, in this hour as well. We'll open up the phones uh, and let you guys join us here as well. 
on the drive on Attendeville. Be right back. Make it rain! Make it rain! When you're in pain, attorney Phil Rich makes it rain. Growing up in Louisville's Portland community, this Trinity and University of Louisville graduate knows how to fight for you. Whether you were injured in an accident or hurt on the job, Phil Rich specializes in personal injury, auto accidents, and workers' comp claims. Don't settle for less. Go with someone... You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever. We'll go ahead and open up the phone lines, 8150-93.9. That's the number if you'd like to get in here, 3831-939, if you want to hit us on the UPS Jobs text line. Uh, you mentioned quickly the uh, the upcoming game against FSU. I uh, I watched them get humiliated by NC State last night, and it's an almost unrecognizable version of Florida State for me. It, yep. They have been a, a terror uh, for Louisville lately, uh, but NC State did quite literally whatever they wanted uh, against Florida State last night, and I found it most amazing. NC State has some, as we know, Burns, the one of the chubbier players I've ever seen. But he is delightful. I don't <laughs> care what anybody says. He is amazing to watch. Jordan Cornette uh, called attention to this last night on the ACC Network. I thought it was very funny. It was very true. He got the ball. Like it's with such an age where like nobody wants to play with their back to the basket like at all. And he he gets the ball with a guy on his back at the three point line. And back to my man all the way to the rim and scored <laughs> from the three. Phenomenal. You know, it was just absolutely uh, incredible. Uh, it's it's pretty shocking what has happened down there, too, uh, with Florida State. And it makes even less sense because they've got way better of a roster than, than Louisville does. Louisville's at least you can understand it from the roster. Florida State makes no sense. Yeah, and Florida State's really kind of been on a, a little bit of a, a downward trend. I mean, last year they were 17-14. and 14. Year before that's COVID eighteen and seven, but like from the 2016-2017 season to 2019-2020, they won at least twenty three games every single year. And that I really think COVID kept them from winning a national championship. I think I, that was going to win it all. It was a very good team, and I mean they've routinely been like a top four seed. Uh, Really, even be, they had another slow stretch before that one, but then there was another stretch of four straight tournament appearances where they were a three seed, a five seed. I mean, Leonard Hamilton is is a great coach, a, a absolutely great coach. Uh, and I, I think we've talked about Florida State before as like an example of like this conference has been dictated by the likes of you know the Carolinas and the Dukes and the usual suspects, and like Florida State did a pretty remarkable thing of like working its way into the conversation of someone you would have to worry about in ACC basketball and somebody who you knew the style of play they were going to bring, the type of athletes they have. Uh, so, no, I, it's it's very weird uh, to see them struggling this much because that is not a matchup that anybody usually looks forward to at all. No, it's been deeply unpleasant for Louisville to play Florida State uh, lately, and we'll see if it's if it's any different this time. You do, I think, if you're Florida State, you do have to worry about your team 
looking like they might have quit because again, NC State is not like great or anything, and they just hammered them. Yeah, last night it was shocking. I think they, they I mean, just destroyed them up by more than thirty for most of the game. Yeah, it's it's greatly concerning, and I mean, it's it's the same way we the same concerns when we react to some of these blowout losses that we've seen this year. And look, this is a team that Louisville has seen already, and they lost by twenty two in Tallahassee. Uh, it was their second ACC game of the season, and it was a game where you know I could read you the numbers, and you're probably gonna be like, oh yeah, makes sense. I mean, they had sixteen turnovers, they shot thirty two percent. Uh, as a team in that game, they got out rebounded forty-two to thirty-two. It, it was not, it was not pretty, at all. So I, I think that in one sense, Florida State's. I hesitate to really say like better than Georgia Tech. They're a little better than Georgia Tech, I guess. Yeah, but if you're looking for all right, where's some improvement? This is a team that beat Louisville by twenty-two earlier in the season in Tallahassee. Can you reverse? the script a little bit and control it on your own home court. That's a bare minimum expectation in most years, truly. But this time it's kind of intriguing of like, all right, let's see if any any of this feeling or emotion that you we were talking about from one game, can you carry that over and, you know, get a little payback against the team that really handled you the first time around? Do you think I know that they are struggling, but do just by the nature of the way that those games have gone recently, uh, don't it would it would still I think feel harder for people to me seem more difficult for people to dismiss that one than Georgia Tech like like based no, off of just recent meetings essentially yeah, well it, there's like nobody nobody thinks much of this Georgia Tech team or Passner yeah but yeah. we do think a lot of Leonard Hamilton and we know what they are capable of when they're good and I, I do think that even though they're struggling this year like I just described. Uh, I, I think winning that game would would feel better than this one does, would mean more to people. It might indicate something more to people than, than last night's win. Well, yeah, I, I absolutely think it would. Just, just for that reason, because we talked about after the pit loss, one of the reasons that was like really going down rough for many folks was that Pitt has been a program that Louisville has routinely beaten no matter what yeah yeah routinely beaten in most situations and again with another coach in, in Capel who look they're having a good season this year but I think it's a whole most people could agree that and Jeff Capel hasn't exactly wowed as a head coach at, at power five or, or major programs it, it's much different with Florida State in that you you have a lot more respect for Florida State basketball coming in than you did Georgia Tech basketball at a bare minimum, I think that's the best way to summarize it. Uh, in the case of this season, I'm not sure how great of a way it is to evaluate it. Just for, I, I think the way I described it from like you've already played them once and they beat the crap out of you is a way to look at it. Um, but this season really does test you as a fan of like really challenging your preconceived notions about a lot of things because really I'll widen this out to just being an ACC basketball fan. Like the ACC is terrible. It's not good this year. At all. The usual suspects aren't good. The supposed uh, leaders of it are not very good. Even, you know, Clemson's had some reality checks in the past couple of games. So it's, it's this constant battle of like, 
man, I, the traditions of the, this conference are like not lining up with what's going on right now, except UVA. I mean, UVA is good. UVA is a good team this year and, and playing Whatever. well. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a strange way to evaluate everything. 81-50-93-9. That's uh, the number if we, uh, you want uh, to jump in here. 38-31-93-9 for the UPS Jobs text line. Uh, I could not help uh, but notice, and I know Luke, I think, called a little bit of attention to this uh, too. You know, Roosevelt Wheeler is a guy, uh, thinking about him having perhaps a bigger role. He's always seemed like a guy with a lot of potential, uh, and you would think maybe a, a little window open for him with Hunley Hatfield uh, being injured. And I, I thought... Last night was not a good sign for that guy uh, for a couple of reasons. One, kind of a brain-dead foul there, knowing that you actually had a chance to win the game. We're in position to win. You're up by five late in the game, and you uh, whack a guy in the face. Uh, And then I don't think people should miss the fact that Okorafor came off the bench before him. Yeah. And he's been here two weeks, and Wheeler's been here two years. Yeah, but it was interesting, though, because I, I asked Kenny after the game just about, you know, what's running through your mind of when you see your guys actually getting to enjoy one after what they've gone through this year. And like he mentioned Al, he mentioned Mike, but he actually mentioned Rose and said, you know, Roosevelt, we were coming in and contributing. And that kind of struck me because I don't I don't think I think I first of all, I would agree with you in, in how he looked last night, but I'm kind of curious to hear more from him on like, okay, what, what do you think like he really brought when he came into the game? I, I would say like some physicality. Sure. I can give that. But in terms of the things that, that we're looking for that are demonstrative and that make a, a huge difference. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think Corford did more to impact the game and it's clear from the way Kenny talks about Emmanuel and the rest of the staff that they're, they're really high on him. They really like him a lot and they want to see, what more can be done there? Um, don't know what that looks like minutes-wise going forward, but you know it's it's definitely one, of, maybe the biggest storyline to watch for the rest of this season. All right, we are pleased that to be joined now by our friend Elliot Mattingly from Court Physical Therapy. He joins us here like he does every week on Thursday. Elliot, let's let's start with how. Please try to quantify and or describe your level of surprise. Uh, at at Pat Mahomes and the way that he played last week, given what we knew about uh, his ankle and injury status there? Well, so, okay, I wouldn't say I was completely wrong on this because he said, what, he was 100%, and it was obviously there were some limitations. And, you know, there was a lot of limping, and, you know, but, man, I tell you what it showed was a lot of toughness. And he's trying to get me, though, because he shared out his athletic trainer, gave them a bunch of credit, and his medical staff. So he's like, man, I I know this Elliot guy was talking bad about me on, yeah, that's right. you know, a little ESPN radio on, on Mark Anderson's show, and he needs to just let me know. I, I'm, I'm my rehab staff took care of me. Um, no, but you know, I was surprised. I mean, that's a he had a big day, and you know, it really, it was kind of hidden too. You know, it was it, like because you didn't really see a huge wow moment, or um, all I kept waiting for was like a, a weird tackle, and and you know, then you'd see him kind of limp. You're like, oh, this is it. And then he'd power through, so more power to him. But um, uh, definitely, you know, he still says, that, like, he didn't re-aggravate anything. He was just sore from a physical game. Like, he's just saying some of the stuff that you got to say at this moment. But right. obviously, at the end of the game, he was more sore at the beginning, too. For an ankle injury like that, uh, 
you know, he they, they got him ready in seven days. He plays in this game. But what are these two weeks like? You know, sometimes it doesn't not like straight linear, you know, your recovery from these things sometimes. Are there right. It, what, what did it perhaps feel worse, you know, in the day or two afterwards? Like, what's it normally like if you're an athlete like him and you try to go and, and, and play on it and you do and you're successful? What, what are the sort of initial days? What's this week really been like for Pat Mahomes as they get ready for next week? You know, I would I would really imagine that he was he felt terrible after the game. You know, adrenaline is just is this incredible chemical that we have in our body that when you're out there and you're in the zone and, and stakes are high, like your body kind of turns it off. But as soon as you get the end of the game, when all that wears off, pain is present and then it's fierce. So I imagine his next couple of days were, were rough. But um, once again, the beauty of where he's at, you know, and he is not going to get skill, more skill in this next two weeks that's going to impact his game. So his full focus is film and recovery. And, if, and you know, you, you can get some reps. That's no big deal. But if you go through and you get film and recovery – He's, he's going to be, you know, obviously he's going to be prepared because he was prepared for this week when, you know, more prepared than I thought he would be. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It's not a linear recovery. You know, and that's what's going to be tricky is he's going to feel pretty good again. You know, that's what that's what we do in physical therapy. You know, our, part of our job is to reduce pain, but also a part of our job is to restore function. And the pain part a lot of times comes before the function. So people will start to feel really good and almost get a little overconfident, and he goes to practice, and then it's like, oh, I'm not all the way there yet. And then he feels like he has a setback, even if it's a mental setback. But he's been through this enough to where now he knows that these little setbacks are okay because it usually springboards another forward momentum. Elliot, I like that you mentioned that the the training staff got some shout-outs from, from the team itself, and I, I want to follow up on this, this constant recovery, that, that being the focus – like, can you put or try to put like a, a time frame on a typical day like that? Like how many how many hours of like, okay, we have to this has to be our top priority. We got two weeks to this game. How many hours or focus of focus a day on that do you really have to spend to even feel somewhat comfortable going out there? You know, I wish I had an answer for that because in our our world of, of insurance and, and insurance limitations and, and high cost and you know, it's it's hard, you know, like I I'm lucky to get an hour, uh, two, three times a week, you know, even though we know that the more frequently you do therapy, the better off you're going to be. So we have to depend on like my recommendation for patients is typically two to three times a day doing some kind of exercise prescription that I've given them. And now for them, they have the luxury of, they're probably doing three hours a day of treatment because, and some of that treatment is going to be your manual therapy piece. For him, it's going to be making sure you have range of motion, uh, you know, in your traditional ankle joint. You know, they call this the high ankle, but really it's uh, not your ankle quite so much. But make sure you have good foot motion. Make sure you have good knee motion, hip motion, flexibility. So you're maintaining all of that so we're not increasing the load on on this high ankle sprain. And then you're doing strengthening. But a lot of times you can use strengthening as a pain reliever because if your body feels stable with your muscles, then it takes pressure off your ligaments. And then you're doing different modalities. You know, you're using um, some of the old classic. Like everybody knows what a tens unit is. A tens unit is this, it's this electrical stimulation that sends signals up the same pathway or channel that our pain travels. And when it's on there, all it does is block that that pain sensitivity. So it gives you this feeling of relief, even though it doesn't fix the problem. So like they're doing some of that on there. They're probably doing some kind of cryotherapy. Uh, you know, we use this this different direct kind of current. 
um, it's called a new fit. And so it's this new technology we're using um, to try to help people heal faster and create the, this nervous system change. So he's probably got access to so many things that he gets to do three or four hours a day that, once again, we are lucky to get two times a week. Uh, Elliot, I would be remiss, I think, if I did not ask you about, and I hate to spring this on you, but this poor Clemson basketball player who, in his words, his balls exploded. But he had, he had a <laughs> testicular torsion and had to, he's like he puts this kind of a you know pain reliever-induced uh, video up on social media that he, he suffered a, what we now know is a testicular torsion, which is painful to say sounds much more painful to have and I, I don't really know that the like true scientific medical definition of testicular torsion will make it sound any better that sounds terrible <laughs> and what do you do uh, you know i don't have a good answer for that that's not something we see often but guess what you know we do do pelvic health therapy and we're venturing in the world of men's pelvic health therapy so uh here in a few you know maybe a couple months when we have some of our Greek clinicians go through that program, I'll have an answer for you. But right now, it's just one that I can be highly empathetic and be like, man, that sounds rough. You know, I can just be there for him, like, got a guy just knowing that that can't feel good. That's a very nice way of saying tough scene, kid. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's tough, buddy. Uh, going... you get your bag of peas and let it, you know, let it rise. <laughs> little... Ugh. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, we saw, uh, going back to football for a moment, we saw DeMar Hamlin gave, like, his first, put his first video out to thank people in, in his full recovery. And again, it's miraculous that he's he's gone through this and come out the other end of it and seems to be recovering well. Uh, if, if you periodically check back in, on, as I'm sure he is with a physician or something, what do you... Mm-hmm. What do you come back to to keep checking to make sure he is still on the right track and that there's nothing that would, like, concern you moving forward? You know, so it's all going to be cardiovascular tests. So you're doing different, like, EKGs or you're, you're, you're doing a lot of almost like a stress test. Like, sometimes, you know, people will typically go through before, uh, like, a surgery to check their heart health. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you're going to do. It's like you're going to have him go through a, a, what we call a cardiac rehab where he's doing high levels of exercise while he's being monitored because they can see what your body's response is to that. Because just think, but his, his heart didn't do that because of, you know, buildup of, of plaque or damage or, you know, all these different things. It was, it was that, that contact that created that. So, uh, he, you know, he should be able to recover, but still, you don't take your chance. You know, they're, they're, sometimes there are still underlying factors that they're, you know, looking for that maybe made him more prone or was this just a perfect storm. But it's got to be that constant monitoring while he's going through his high-level exercise. And right now, his high-level exercise – might be walking fast, up a hill. You know, maybe he's starting to lift weights a little bit. Well, that gets your heart rate going. You know, he's going to do different things to challenge his body. Uh, but once again, under that physician monitoring of the heart. Uh, Ellie, we saw Brock Purdy leave and then come back into the NFC Championship game, uh, but not throw the ball. And it was obvious he was not going to be able to do that. Yeah. We now know he has a torn UCL, which we are very familiar with when it happens to pitchers. Uh, right. Because that's that's your Tommy John surgery. I was I guess I was not aware or didn't I've never conceived of that as like a contact injury, an instant injury. It has always sort of seemed like a an injury of attrition, like pitchers wear and tear over time. Mm-hmm. It, 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 we're talking about the exact same injury just happening abruptly on one throw. You're exactly right. So 
the, the, the big difference is is one has micro traumas throughout the the span. You know, like the overutilization of throwing and youth sports that's created this scarring that that doesn't have a very flexible UCL or you know, and then over time, then it kind of just gives. Now, when I saw this live, like you know, they start talking about his wrist, like. At that point, you knew that is the classic way that you can have uh, an overstress of that that medial compartment or that inside compartment of the elbow, and that's where that UCL lives. And I mean, good for him for for trying, but man, that's that had to be painful. But they just could not catch a break, you know, with um, the quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's not as common. You know, we don't hear about this a lot in a contact way, but if it does, that is the prime example of how it happens. Uh, Elliot, uh, the other, I guess, somewhat noteworthy injury, uh, Miko Hardman, you know, coming out of the the AFC Championship game. I mean, he hasn't really had like a great healthy kind of year anyway. But you know, mm-hmm. you're trying to get a guy ready for in, in in two weeks. Are there things that are maybe more available to you for injuries like this in two weeks versus one week? Time is always your friend. The more time that you have, the better it can be. But, you know, they're saying it doesn't look very good for him. And just to remind everybody, what he had was an abdominal strain. And, you know, that seems strange. We don't hear about abdominal injuries that often. Um, But that's one muscle that contracts or should contract in just about everything that you do. And every hit that you take and every push-off that you have, like your abs need to be your stable ground for your body to generate power. And if you don't have that control or if your abs are painful, then there's no hiding from it, you know. So it's uh, very unfortunate for him. But, you know, there, there are strategies out there, you know. So um, when, you're, when you're treating the abdominals, you know, you can do dry needling there. It's kind of weird, and you got to be really careful because underneath your abdominals, you know, of course, is like your abdominal cavity where a lot of important things live. Organs, so you got to be careful yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that machine I was talking about earlier, this new fit, um, this is a, it's like it's a direct current system where you go through and you can find areas of, of discomfort and you really kind of hammer that with this current as you're doing exercise and it retrains your body, you know, from a neuro, neurologic standpoint to to contract and hopefully help things heal a little bit quicker. Um, so hopefully they're doing something like that. That's something a lot of these proteins do have. Um, like I said, we just started using that for the past month and you know it's been really really cool to see. Like we have it at our sports clinic and just a the quick recoveries we're getting. So, you know, you know they have the best top technology out there, and they're going to be trying like crazy to get him out there. But um, it's funny how they set the stage differently for him versus Mahomes. You know, him like, oh, he's probably out. You know, we'll see what happens. And then Mahomes is like, oh, he's 100%. Like, well, like they both live in the middle, you know, so let's, we'll see what happens. Elliot, for folks who want to find out uh, what you guys there at Court Physical Therapy can do for them, where can they go? Yeah, call us at 1-800-645-COURT. Check us out at court.com or any of our social media platforms. We'd love to help you out. All right, Elliot. We'll talk to you again next week, buddy. Thanks so much. Thank you all. Bye-bye. All right. Elliot Madden, Court of Physical Therapy there. Uh, Tyler, I think we can agree. Testicular torsion sounds horrific. Can't Nothing. think of a worse one. Doesn't sound good. I'll tell you that much. I don't want any torsion on that. Nope. I don't. You don't want testicular anything either. No, I don't. You don't. Sounds terrible. All right. Hour number one in the books here. When we come back, we'll switch gears a little bit, uh, talk about the local recruiting scene yesterday, and and maybe we're entering a new phase uh, in the, the life of this rivalry between Louisville and Kentucky, at least on the football side here. On the other side, 
on the drive when I turn it off.